Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, it says, Now they came to Jericho. Now that they, it is Jesus and his disciples, but not only Jesus and his disciples, they've left Galilee, they're headed to Jerusalem, Jericho's along the way. Matter of fact, Jericho's pretty close to Jerusalem there. But as they've been going through, the crowds have gathered and more and more are there with him. And we also understand this, that in chapter 11, it's going to begin the last week of Jesus' physical life here on this earth. He's going to go in to the, the, the triumphal entry there, riding on that donkey and Hosanna, as we were singing about earlier. That's all going to be taking place there. But by the end of that week, he's going to be hanging on a cross. And the crowd that says Hosanna is going to be saying, crucify him, crucify him. So that's where we are. That's what it means by they came to, to Jericho. And it says, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, he's headed toward Jerusalem there, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, there's his name. It's not Sam, it's not Ryan, it is Bartimaeus, uh, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. That's the time when it's good not to listen to others. He cried out all the more and said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling for you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. What a story. What a, a story that is not only do we have recorded in Scripture, but it has been repeated time and time and time again over the years. Not just of physically blind people receiving sight, but those of us that are spiritually blind receiving the sight. You know, when you're, when you're hurting, when you're, you're in a car wreck, or when there's an accident and somebody gets injured or somebody gets hurt, one of the most comforting things you can hear is this phrase, help is on the way. We've called, we, we've, we, we've talked to folks, help is on the way. Just hold on, help is on the way. And that's exactly what is, is going on here for Bartimaeus. Help is, is on the way. That means, first of all, that means for him, that meant that, that Jesus was, was coming to him. And, and, and when we say that help is on the way, that's what we mean, is that Jesus comes to where we are in our time of need, in our time of desperation. Uh, Jesus comes to us. And, and, and notice, that this is what's going on here. Jesus is on the road there, but he's on, there's a lot of different ways he could have gone to Jerusalem. 
And one of the reasons he went this way, I think, is because he knew there was going to be there was a man, Bartimaeus, on the side of the road. He went this way to see him. He went, it's, it's the same thing that we read about in John chapter 4 when, the, when he was going from Jerusalem back to Galilee. And they said, let's, let's go. And he says, no, I've got to go this way. I've got to go through Samaria. Why? Because there's a woman I'm going to meet at a well that needs to hear the good news. And, and that's the way it is. Jesus is on the way. Jesus comes to us where we are. And not only that, when we say help is on the way uh, here, not only are we talking about the fact that Jesus comes to us, but also notice the way that Jesus is on. Jesus is on the way to the cross. He's on the way to Jerusalem. That, when he gets there, he's going to be arrested. He's told the disciples this, and that's actually what happens. He is arrested. He is mocked. He is beaten. He is crucified on the cross and rises from the dead on the third day. He's on the way to the cross. And matter of fact, that is where real help comes. Not just coming to meet our physical needs, not just coming to us in our time of pain or our need or comfort, but Jesus is, is on his way to meet this man's spiritual needs, to take care of his sin, to take care of his life, to change his life forever. He's, all, he's on the way to the cross, and that's where real help is found. But also when we say that Jesus is on the way, it's important that we understand. And, and this is what I want you to understand this morning. You're not, you're not here by accident. You're not watching online by accident. Even if you're watching after this is recorded and put up, it may be a year from when I preach this. Jesus knows exactly where you are. And whatever way you're on. You say, well, I'm on the wrong way. Help is on the way. You say, well, I've, I've made these bad decisions in my life. Nobody can ever help. No, whatever way you're on, whatever way you've decided to go, Jesus can come wherever you are. Jesus knows where you are. Jesus knows your way. And whatever way you're on, Jesus can help. He can come to you. You know, I've, uh, I've heard the stories and I've, I've read stories uh, even rereading uh, through Nick Ripkin's book, uh, The Insanity of God, uh, of Muslims, you know, and the, the miracles that have taken place in, in Muslim countries where, and even, you know, there in Ukraine, we've heard some stories of, of some of the people that we've ministered to that have had dreams, and, and God speak to them in this dream. And, and I, I was reading the story about a Muslim who God spoke to him uh, in this dream and said, find the blue book. And he went to a, an Islamic bookstore in the village where he lived there, a, a Muslim bookstore, okay? And he sees on the shelf, on one of the back shelves, he sees a blue book and pulls it out. And you know what it is? It's a Bible. It is the, the Old Testament and New Testament written in Arabic. Arabic, and he pulls it out and reads it and comes to faith in Christ. And, and, and so there are some, some miracles about how Jesus, whatever way we're on, how he comes to us. I heard the story of a, of a man who was told in, in, a, in a dream to go to a certain village, a village he'd never been to, and, and was told in that dream not only to go to this village, but to go down this certain street to look for this number. And that's exactly what he did. He went to this village he'd never been to before. He went and found, uh, asked around and found the street that he had never heard of before. He looked for a number, found a number on the house, knocked on the door. A man comes to the door and he 
says, can you tell me about Jesus? The man is shocked. The man is surprised. The man pulls him inside right quick and asks him what's going on. He tells him about this dream that he had like that. And what he had done, God had led him to the house of one of three believers in that whole uh, area, in that whole people group. There were only three believers, and God had led him to the house of one of those three believers that he might hear the gospel and give his life to Jesus Christ. Those are miraculous stories of God finding people where they are on the way. But by the way, the miracle of your salvation is not any less great than those miracles. That as a young child or as an adult or whatever your story may be, God came and found you. And if you're watching today, if you're here today, and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, I want you to understand God's found you. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. God knows, God knows where you are today. You may, you may have tuned in today. You may be here today. And, and nobody around you, maybe not even your family, knows what's going on in your mind and in your heart and what your struggles are. But I want you to know Jesus knows. And he's brought you to this place. He's brought you to this moment today. Because he cares for you. And because he can help you. He wants to help you. Help is on the way. Let's look at this, this beautiful story here. First of all, I want us to focus in on the pleading man. Bartimaeus is his name, as it tells us there in Scripture. He is the one who needs help. And that may be where you are this morning. You may be that very one who needs help. You need it. And you've been crying out. And, and you hadn't said anything to anybody publicly. You hadn't said anything to, to any of your friends. You hadn't said anything to anybody. But you've just, you've come to that point that you, you need to, to be encouraged. This may, you may be saying, this is my last opportunity. If God doesn't do something today, then, then I'm, I'm just, I'm giving up. No, no, no. God is doing something today. He recognizes where you are. You may be the one who needs help. But let me tell you something. Jesus is the one that can give you that help. Notice this man here. First of all, he recognizes his need. And that's where we need to be. Not just uh, uh, denying our need in our pride, but recognizing our need. Notice in verse 46 it says, Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Later on, he, when Jesus asked him, What is it you want me to do for you? He says, I can't see. I, I want to to be able to see. He recognizes his need. He is blind. He cannot see. That's what blind means, okay? And, and, and there's some though of us that, that cannot see what's going on. There's some of us that will not see what's going on because of our, our pride. Because we, we, we need to be able to recognize, Lord, I need your help. I can't, I can't see how to get out of this situation. I can't see how to overcome this struggle in my life. I can't see how to, to fix things in my life. And we need to come to that place of dependence and saying, Lord, I can't see. I can't see. 
He recognized his need. Not only was he blind, but he was also a, a beggar here. He could not help himself. That's what it means by he could not provide for himself. He needed to reach outside of himself to help. And we need to do that to, as, as well. We need to reach out to the Lord, recognizing how desperately we need him. The biggest barrier we have to receiving the grace and mercy of God is our own pride. We need to just humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do it without you. He, he recognized his need. Now, as I say that, you may be thinking that's what other people need to do, but how many blind men are in this story? One? There's a lot more than one. But there's only one that cried out to Jesus. There are a lot of people in the crowd that are just as blind, maybe even more blind than this man. But he recognized his need. And he went to the one, he cried out to the one that could meet that need. He recognized his need, and then he recognized Jesus as the one who could meet his need. Notice in verse 47, it says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. He doesn't say, who is this Jesus? He doesn't, as, when he recognized, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out to Jesus and said, Son of David, have mercy on me. He heard this, and obviously when, they, when he hears about this, it is something he's been thinking about. It is something that has entered his, his mind before. He's heard about who this Jesus is. He's heard about the miracles that he's performed. He's heard about the teaching of him. He's, he's, and, and when he cries out, Son of David, he's obviously been doing some thinking of that because when he says Son of David, he's using an Old Testament term for the Messiah. And so he's recognizing what he is saying when he cries out and says, Jesus, you're the son of David. He is saying, you're the promised one of the Old Testament. You're the one who can make all things right. Matter of fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says that when the son of David, when the Messiah, when Jesus comes, he will open up blinded eyes. He will set the captives free. And so he's saying, Jesus, you're the one that can help me. You're the one that can set me free. You're the one that can open up my eyes. You're the one who can change my life. Notice he doesn't say initially here, he doesn't say, just give me sight. He says, have mercy on me. I need mercy. And you're the one that can give mercy. He heard what is going on. He calls him son of David. He's referencing this Isaiah prophecy and, and other prophecies in the Old Testament as well. And he cries out for mercy that not only that is what he needs, he recognized his need, his need not only for sight, his need not only for, for God to, to meet this physical need in his life, but his spiritual need as well. He cries out for mercy. That's what he needs. Uh, he wants to be able to see, but what he really needs is mercy. So he's crying out to the one that he recognizes is a merciful and gracious God. It's one thing to say you're a good, good father. It's, a one, it's another thing to live that out and say, Lord, I recognize I'm coming to you with every need of my life because I know that you can meet those needs. He recognized Jesus. And then thirdly, he recognized the moment. The moment of opportunity. 
As he cries out in verse 47, but then look in verse 48. It says, then many warned him to be quiet. It doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry. No, it says, he cried out even more. He cried out even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. You know what he's saying? I am not going to let this moment pass. Jesus is here. And I need him. Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Touch my life. Change my life. No one told him when he was coming by that, that he heard that Jesus was coming by, but nobody said, you need to ask him to heal you. You need to ask him for mercy. No, it was a cry from his own heart. He recognized the moment. His heart cried out. He recognized his need. He recognized who this Jesus was, that if anybody could meet this need, only he could meet this need. And so he cries out, not only once, but he cries out again. He's persistent about it. He's, 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 this is the only hope that he has. He's passionate about it. He cries out all the more, even louder and louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. This is my moment. Jesus, touch my life. This may be your moment. This may be the moment of your salvation. You've been struggling with this. You've been, been, maybe you've made a decision when you were younger and, and you, you went through the baptismal waters, but, but there's, God's been tugging at your heart. God's been pulling at your heart. And, and, and you may have done that for all the wrong reasons, but your pride has been keeping you away from that. And things have happened in your life. And, and now you're, you're hurting and you're struggling. And Jesus is saying, this is your moment. This is the moment. Or maybe you've already given your life to Christ and, and, you, and you, you've been truly saved, but, but, but this past year has been difficult and you've gotten distracted and you've gotten off track. And, and, and now you, you recognize that you want to get back to where, to, not only to where you were, but you want to you fall in love with Jesus all over again. But you've got this stuff in your life that, that needs to be taken care of. And this is your moment. Jesus is here. Will you come humbly to him, recognizing your need for mercy, your need for a touch, your need for change, that Jesus alone can bring it? Will you join with Bartimaeus this morning and say, Jesus, have mercy on me? Now that's the pleading man. And there's another group here. It's not a group that I want to talk about, but it's a group, unfortunately, that is always around. It is the passing crowd. The passing crowd are those that, even though this man needed help, they are those that offered no help. Why? Because they're apparently only there for themselves. They're only there for not to, to help others, not to see others come to know Christ, not even to acknowledge their own need for Christ, but just to, just to be a, a part of the buzz, just to be a part of, of, of what is happening. And, and let me ask you this, why are you here today? Are you here because you have a need? Are you here so that God can grow you and you can help others come to know Jesus? Are you here just to satisfy an itch on your own back? 
Jesus is not about scratching itches. Jesus is about changing hearts and changing lives. Notice this, this crowd that comes. First of all, they, they could not help. Back in, in, in verse 46, it says that there's this crowd that they come out and there's blind Bartimaeus that is, that is there and uh, this great multitude that is there with them and stuff. And, and so there he is, he's blind, he's sitting by the road and, he, and he's begging there. And the reason they can't help is because they're not willing to admit it because they're not sitting there with him, but they're just as much beggars as he as he is. They, he was a beggar because he could not help themselves. They can't help themselves either. They think that they're helping themselves because they're actually walking and they're doing They can see just fine, but, but they don't realize that. And what Jesus has been teaching the disciples over and over, and even the, the ones that had, had forsaken all to follow him, you can't do this on your own. You can't resist temptation on your own. You can't overcome your pride on your own. You can't serve and, and make an impact on this world on your own. You can't do it on your own. And the reason they tell him to be quiet so they can move on is because they can't help him. They were beggars. They were blind too. They just didn't want to recognize it. They couldn't see their own need. They couldn't see a man in need that needed a touch from Christ. They see that he's blind. They see that he's a beggar. But they're telling him to be quiet. And they couldn't see a Jesus who cared enough to stop and to minister to a blind beggar. They had everything out of whack. They could not help. And not only could they not help, but they didn't even try to help. They would not help. Verse 46, there he is. And what do they do in verse 46? Absolutely nothing. They don't even encourage him to cry out to Jesus. Because when he does cry out, they tell him to be silent. They're, they're too busy in the moment. And by the way, we can get it that way as a church as well. We can get all excited about the fact that we're going to have Sunday school next week and where we're going to be meeting and how much great it is to be, be to be there, or we can start focusing in on maybe some of those that we hadn't heard from in a while. Or maybe someone that we were reaching out to and inviting to Sunday school and, 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 and we, we haven't been able to do that lately. Are we going to reach out to them? Are we going to get in touch with them? Is it going to be about us or is it going to be about others? Is this about our comfort, doing what's convenient for us, doing what we enjoy doing, or is it about bringing people to Jesus? They could not help. They would not help. They were caught up in the excitement and buzz, but they were really only focused on themselves. Even the disciples. You remember what we looked at last week when Jesus is saying, we're on the way to the cross. I'm going there. When I get there, I'm going, to, I'm going to, to be arrested. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit upon. And I'm going to be killed. They're going to put me to death. And on the third day, I'll rise again. And they go, yeah, yeah, Jesus. But we got a question. Which one of us is going to sit at your right hand? They're only thinking about themselves. They could not help. They would not help. And this is the unfortunate thing when that's the attitude that we have is that we block 
his help. We block his help by what we say and by the attitudes we display. Look in verse 48, it says, Then many, the crowd there, many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. They tell him to be quiet. They tell him to hush. What are they doing? They're devaluing him. They're, they're, they're basically saying, Jesus doesn't have time for you. You're not important to Jesus. May we never, never present that type of message to people that are hurting and that want Jesus. Not only that, but they're distorting the love of Jesus. They're distorting who Jesus is. They're making Jesus out to be like them. If it was me, I wouldn't have time to stop. I've got to get to Jerusalem. I'm going to be the king. They're going to welcome me in as king. I've got to set up my kingdom and stuff like that. Jesus was nothing like them. When it says that they warned them, it means that they rebuked him. They tried to silence him from crying out to Jesus. May nothing we do as a church silence people from crying out to Jesus, intentionally or unintentionally. Listen, uh, let's just bring it right into 2021. That is the danger of social media. Social media can be used for good or it can be used for wrong. And if anything we put on social media silences someone from crying out to Jesus, we have sinned. May everything, we don't have to respond to everything that's going out in the world, but may every response we give point people to Jesus Christ. And that's not only on social media. You say, well, I don't do social media. That involves every conversation we have, everything we do when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the restaurant, how we treat waiters and waitresses and everything, that, how we treat our family, how we treat our neighbors. It goes into everything that we do. May everything that we do point people to Jesus Christ. The greatest weapon we have to point people to Jesus Christ is this mouth. And the greatest hindrance we have to keeping people from Jesus Christ is this mouth. And when I say mouth, I'm including what we, what we do on our phones and, and put on social media as well. Let's do not be the passing crowd. Let's be the pointing crowd. Pointing people, opening up doors, building bridges so people can come to Jesus Christ. That's what I want to see this church be. And may God help us as we move forward, as ministry opportunities open up to be that type of church. Not only do we see the pleading man and the passing Christ, but let's wrap this thing up with the compassionate Christ. The compassionate Christ. That's who he is. He is the one who can help and praise, praise his name. He is the one who does help. Even the barriers that we do have, Jesus overcomes those barriers. Notice what Jesus does. First of all, Jesus stops. 
Don't, don't underestimate that. Jesus stops. It says in verse 49, it says, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be gone. He's on his way to the cross. He's on his way to the resurrection. He's on his way to, to, to his purpose for being. And yet he stops for Bartimaeus. And by the way, you may think that Jesus is too busy for you and everything that is going on, but Jesus wants you to know that this morning, this very moment, he has stopped for you. He's brought you here. He has stopped for you. You have his full attention. And just like with Bartimaeus, he says, what can I do for you? What is it that you need? How can I help you? Jesus stops. You see, his goal, his goal, his, his purpose, yes, was the cross and was the resurrection. But what good is the cross and the resurrection if it wasn't for the people that need to be saved through the cross and the resurrection? The reason he went to the cross and the resurrection, let me tell you something, and I'm not trying to build up your ego, but the reason he did that was for you. For you. And not only that you might come to him and know him as Savior, but that you might walk in, in freedom and in power and, and setting, being set free from your sins through his death on the cross and experiencing the power of a resurrected life, of new life in him. He stops. He calls. It says he stood still and he commanded him, commanded that Bartimaeus to be called. And they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer. He is calling for you. What great words. And I hope you hear that this morning. Jesus is calling for you. He's calling for you. He says, bring him. Bring this man. Not, is there, if there's anyone here that needs me, bring them here. No, he says, you bring Bartimaeus. He knows him. And by the way, that's our job, is not to put, build up barriers for people coming to Christ like this crowd did, but our job is to bring others to Christ. That's why we're here. It's why we're not in heaven yet. It's to bring others to Christ. He stops, he calls, he sees. Notice in verse 50, it says, And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Jesus saw him. Jesus saw everything that was going on. He saw him. He sees us. He sees what we really need. He sees where we are on the road. And so here he comes to Jesus. Jesus sees and Jesus cares. Verse 51, Jesus answered it. And I, I love this. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Now that, that sounds kind of self, not self-serving, but it sounds kind of like, like he's, that's, well, we just need to go tell Jesus everything that we need. Yes and no. Understand what Jesus is doing here. Jesus, Jesus didn't come and just, just say, this is what I'm going to do. Jesus knew what he needed. Jesus is not asking for information. Jesus is creating relationship here. He's dialoguing with him. He's talking with him. And Jesus wants to talk to you. Jesus wants to talk about everything that is going on in your life. Jesus wants a, a relationship with you. He, he sees us. He, he, he cares for us. He asks this question. Why is he asking this question? He's wanting this guy. He, he's wanting Bartimaeus to acknowledge, number one, that he has a need. And Bartimaeus says, yes, I've got a need. I've been crying out for mercy and I'm blind. I have these needs in my, in my, in my life. And so he's wanting him to acknowledge that, that he does have a need, and he's wanting him to acknowledge that Jesus can do. What do you want me to do for you? And he wants him to say, Jesus, this is what I need, what only you can provide. 
That's faith. That is faith. So Jesus is bringing faith out of him because he cares for him. And then Jesus heals him. Verse 52 says, Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Faith. See, there's the faith. And immediately he received his sight. Wow. Think about that. This guy's been blind. And Jesus speaks the word and he sees. He sees. <laughs> and you think that he'd say, look at everything. I tell you what, I'm going to go on a tour of the mountainsides. And just, I'm going to go to the ocean. I'm going to look at the ocean. I'm, I'm going I'm to go to the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to look at the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to go and I'm going to see all of these things. He sees. And he followed Jesus on the road. See, Jesus has the power to make us well. He has the power to make us well outwardly, physically, materially. But he has the power to make us well spiritually, inwardly. Where our greatest, what good is it to be able to see and yet still be bound in sin? What good is it to be able to see and yet, yet still live in defeat? And be lost and spend an eternity in hell. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so that we could physically be comfortable. Jesus died on the cross that we might be spiritually receive the gift of eternal life. And let me tell you something Jesus heals. He heals. Well, let me wrap this up by just with Bartimaeus' response. I love this. What did Jesus tell him? He said, go your way. Your faith has made you hell, made you well. What is the first thing that he says there? He says, go your way. Go your way. Go your way. You can see now. Go and do whatever you want to do. And what did Bartimaeus do? It says, he followed him. Jesus had changed his heart. He changed his life. And he could have gone to the ocean. He could have gone to the Sea of Galilee. He could have gone and, and seen the crowds. He could have gone and seen family that he hadn't seen. But what it was in his heart, there, what is it? When he says, you can see, go your way. He says, I want you. <laughs> I want to follow you. He followed Jesus. We don't follow Jesus to get things from him. We follow Jesus because we've already got everything from him. Everything that we need. Why have you fallen on the way? Why have you lost your way? Are you hurting and struggling on the way? Help is on the way. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, 
Please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.